Welcome in, everyone, and thank you for listening to the 229th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast, brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm doing great, Cameron. How about you? Not too bad. Did you get out and play in the snow today? Um, Honestly, no. I didn't. It's I should have. You, I watched my dog go crazy. You didn't get your coveralls on? And I didn't today, no. Just... Mm. Just decide to stay inside and look at it. Well, we took Olivia out in the snow. Last year, she was like, you know, just a few months old, and it didn't mean anything to her. This year, she actually had some fun out there, uh, stomping around, made a few snowballs. But she doesn't have proper snow gear mm. at this point in her life. So I she got a good arm. Yeah, she she can really throw. Really launch them. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, she was just out there in tennis shoes and sweatpants, so it was just like five-minute thing, yeah. playing the snow, a little photo op, done. Yeah. I was getting a little worried that we weren't going to get the snow that we were promised. Yeah. <laughs> started a lot later than I thought we were going to get it, but it delivered. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I know probably some people wanted to be home from work slash school today, but it's really best-case scenario. Nice, pretty, fluffy snowfall, but the roads are clear no big accidents Mm -hmm. no it's not treacherous i think that's like the sweet spot that's a very responsible take and it was like that real sticky sticky Mm -hmm. snow you could really build snowball snow oh yeah building snow immediately Mm -hmm. yeah Mm. good stuff um good for sledding Mm -hmm. yeah building ramps all of it um what are we talking about this week mizzou football has acquired a couple new quarterbacks. Are any of them good? We don't know. We'll find out. We'll try to find out. Um, and Mizzou basketball won two out of three last week, just like we predicted. Are they good? We'll try to find out. We'll see what we can figure out. Uh, before we get into all of that, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, leave us a review, support us on Patreon if you want. Patreon.com slash Missouri Sports Pod. Uh, let's jump right in with these quarterback additions. Uh, two quarterbacks, two transfer quarterbacks have uh, committed to Mizzou. Miami's Jake Garcia and Hutchinson Community College's Dylan Label. Sure. Uh, who do you, you take it away? Talk about whoever you want. Uh, yeah, so the news of Dylan Label yeah. broke last week, right? The tail end of... This episode, um, we don't need to recap. We that. don't need to recap that too hard, but um, I don't think this is real, really a big deal as far as uh, pl- having an impact on Missouri's season, really, in, or any season. But um, definitely, just needed to fill the room with some bodies of a guy that knows how to throw a football, and that's what Dylan Label's going to be, and he's going to throw some passes and practice and stuff like that. But I don't foresee him ever playing in a game. Um, Jake Garcia, on the other hand, might play in a game. Mm -hmm. And that was the bigger splash that we got a few days ago. Um, And he is a quarterback from Miami. Mm -hmm. And 6'3", 200. Definitely probably the thing that jumps off the page about Jake Garcia is his recruiting pedigree and just his athleticism. And he definitely has some the measurables that pop and – has some like 
has made some very nice plays on film and stuff like that. Doesn't really have the college production that gets you excited yet, but he's pretty young. So, um, yeah, just a little bit about him. Uh, he was a top 50 overall prospect in 2021, so obviously very fresh. Only been in college for, I guess, two seasons. Um, played a little bit last year. Um, really struggled with accuracy. He, uh, his completion percentage was just under 60%. Threw for 803 yards, had five touchdowns and four interceptions. So, so a good building block. So got some experience against the Power Five opponents, but didn't do anything too impressive stats-wise. And he, the only reason he started any games last year for Miami was because their starting quarterback going into the season got hurt. He was dealing with a shoulder injury off and on all of last year. So Garcia got in there in a situation where, you know, uh, redshirt freshman, I. I'm guessing that's what he was. I think so. Um, so he would still have three years of eligibility left for Mizzou. Um, yeah, got in there as a backup last year and made some plays, but obviously looked like a player that was not intended to be the starter last year for Miami. And no matter who the quarterback was last year, Miami's <laughs> offense struggled mightily. And I think that reflected... In the quarterback play, I think the quarterbacks were actually better for Miami last year than the stats indicated because they had pretty significant weaknesses on the offensive line. And their, uh, I was reading some Miami, like a Miami message board, and they were talking about how the play calling, the offensive uh, philosophy and everything was kind of a mess last year. They're looking for a bit of a reset. Mm going into next season and that kind of makes sense if your quarterback that played a bit last year is moving on um yeah kind of a reset maybe for Miami's offense and hopefully to the advantage of Mizzou um yeah you mentioned his stats there he did throw for a couple touchdowns his red shirt for, well true freshman year yeah true freshman year before he redshirted. right uh so yeah it comes out of Miami with about 900 yards seven touchdowns and four interceptions and I watched a little bit of his highlights, and it looked like he, I was really impressed with his, um, you know, throwing the deep ball accurately. Um, I would say he's going to have the best arm strength that's been at Mizzou since Drew Locke, probably. And probably Sam Horn is in that same category. Mm hmm. Just the ball just looks good coming out of their hand. Yeah, just good looks velocity. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, even the his deeper throws last year probably needed more touch, like they were just kind of missiles straight mm -hmm. down the field. Yeah, and of course he's still super young and needs to work on some of that stuff. Yeah, that was always a Drew Lock thing mm -hmm. where he like threw a beautiful deep ball, but would just like throw a rocket and intermediate yes. pass. Yeah, <laughs> that we actually kind not of very, struggled not with. Not very catchable. Right. So. Um, yeah, Mizzou's got some bodies for sure. Uh, three guys that are perfectly capable of winning the starting job, and it's going to be incredibly fascinating to see what happens uh, this offseason. And they all just kind of bring something different to the table. I mean, we're talking like Brady Cook and Jake Garcia, in my mind, just like pretty polar opposite as far as like their style of play, what mm -hmm. kind of prospects they were. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I don't think Jake Garcia is quite as mobile as Brady Cook, but definitely can get out of the pocket and run a little bit if he needs to. But clearly his arm and his measurables are just the number one thing he has going for him which will always get you as a place it will always reserve you a spot in a starting roster um for a power five team that's that's looking for the home run play um 
the teams are always looking for guys like this. Do you think that uh, just it's still really early, we haven't seen these guys in practice or anything, but do you think that Garcia's floor is lower than Cook's? Is he maybe more high risk, high reward? And Cook at this point in your mind would be more of like the safe option? Oh, for sure. That's exactly how I see it. Where, you know, we've we've seen what Brady Cook can do and the floor at times was pretty low um, during this season, but I definitely view him as a safer option. Um, he gives you he gives you a floor just with his rushing game. You know what you can get with it, from his rushing game every game. Yeah, um, has the ability to go out and win games, but clearly his ceiling is very limited. And Jake Garcia, basically the opposite. Like the floor is very low, but his ceiling very high. So you know we, you know just kind of I, I honestly think, and we're going to talk about this so much this off season, but you know just my initial impressions of how the quarterback battle might go. Um, is just I maybe all up to how Drinkwitz wants to handle the season. You know, he has a lot of returning players coming back on defense. If he sees this season as maybe his last chance to really hit a home run um, with a team that um, has a chance to, you know, finish as a top 10 team or something like that, does he go for the home run play with Jay Garcia as maybe the only option that can really put them over the top? Or does he almost view it completely opposite where it's like, We've got this returning defense. I really just want to play it safe and make sure we get eight, eight or nine wins because I think Brady Cook can potentially get us there. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's going to be so interesting and just that added dimension of of Kirby Moore too. You know how does he factor in and mm-hmm. you know what what is his opinion of of these quarterbacks? Obviously, Sam Horn was here before Kirby Moore was. So how does he view Sam Horn? You know all three of them. It's like they've got different things going for them in this equation. It's going to be pretty fascinating. Yeah, so the way this is going to play out is like uh, Sam Horn and Jake Garcia are going to be going through spring practices and everything while Cook is sidelined from his shoulder surgery. And then Cook and Jabari Johnson are going to kind of join the battle late. But obviously Cook has the experience Johnson, I feel like, is the odd man out as far as not having the experience and also not getting to campus early. So, I don't know. I feel like uh, I feel like Horn and Garcia are really going to have an opportunity in the spring to basically set the bar fairly high. In theory, they could set the bar pretty high for Cook coming back from injury to where. I don't know. He may just not have it once he gets back, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of time left. I would, do you think, um, so you've got cook horn and Garcia, basically three way neck and neck race right now. Like, yeah. I mean, I think it's going to be tough. I, I, they all have disadvantages where cook he's hurt. He's not going to, like you said, he probably won't factor in until the summer or the sprint or the fall. Even, mm-hmm. uh, Garcia just walked onto campus uh, and, and Horn is you know, a younger guy with no college experience at all. They all have kind of a disadvantage. They all have an advantage. I guess I kind of see them as kind of a three-way tie right now. Mm-hmm. Just throw them, throw them in the blender and see what happens, see who um, is the last man standing. Yeah, and I do. You mentioned uh, the new offensive coordinator. I like the idea of just a wide-open competition, and I like the idea of, of um, him being able to be the one watching these guys practice and new pair of eyes yes absolutely 
And if he's bringing new wrinkles to the offense and stuff that he wants to do, that's maybe a little bit different than what we've been doing the last couple seasons, then that's going to be an adjustment for Brady cook. And if he's missing spring practices where they're installing some of this stuff, I could see him being a little bit behind the curve Mm -hmm. uh, once he gets going, but his experience is going to bring him right back into the conversation. So this is, um, I kind of wanted to just get our thoughts right now while before anything's happened, Mm -hmm. because this is going to be something we talk about. Yeah. Uh, the rest of the spring and summer. Who do you want to win the job? <clears throat> He's like, ah, here we go. I want, I think I still want Sam Horn to win the job, but. In terms of you just want him to be good enough yes, to. I want him to just show up for spring practices, learn uh, Kirby Moore's system, and thrive in it and just never look back yeah. and be the starter for three years. Yeah, and I mean, I think we've kind of had the emotional investment in Sam Horn. We've kind of thought this is going to be his team eventually, don't know when. But, I mean, Jake Garcia was high, more highly ranked than Sam Horn coming out of high school. True. We always think of, I think, at least me personally, I think of Sam Horn as just on this pedestal mm-hmm. of like, man, we've never had, or not never, but we rarely have an opportunity um, to have a quarterback with this kind of talent lead our team. And then here comes Jake Garcia, just a guy we had literally never heard of. And here, yeah. he's here. Yeah. And the way I'm thinking of horn is like, it, it's like we went and plucked drew lock out of Georgia. Yeah. Basically. He feels like the chosen one. And I, I agree with you that, yeah, I, I want Sam horn to win the job, but you know, he's been in the program for a year now. He's been learning. Um, he's been maturing and watching and, yeah, I think that's best case scenario if, if Sam Horn comes in and just wins the job and is good. And I think for me, uh, seeing Garcia struggle a little bit, obviously circumstances outside of his control at Miami, that just kind of makes him too close to what Brady Cook is yeah, in like my mind. Just like yeah, just a little bit. And that's kind of silly because it'll be a whole different thing at Mizzou, but... It's like there's intrigue to Sam Horn just because we haven't really seen him yet. Exactly. He hasn't really messed up the, yet. The potential is still sky high. Sure. We ha- we don't have a solid reason to knock him on that yet other than the fact that he couldn't – the coaching staff didn't feel comfortable with him starting any games last year. But we know uh, that says more about – I think I'm at the point now where that says more about Coach Drinkwitz and his tendencies than his, it does the quarterback. Just philosophy. Yes, yeah. exactly. Not playing super young players. Yeah, but then at, at the same time, what what are we doing with uh, Jabari Johnson? I mean, I, I guess this is a good problem to have, but it's not a good problem if none of these guys just take the job and run with it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my worry is with several talented guys competing for the job every year, we'll just kind of be stuck in this limbo where it's like, if we can't get anybody to just rise above yeah. and be like, nope, I'm the starting quarterback, put everybody's mind at ease and move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a kind of a phenomenon that I feel like I used to think about a lot in college athletics that I maybe don't think about as much anymore just because of the nature of the sport is just that year-to-year stability, like getting better each and every year, more experience, getting older. Um, and... You know, I, I think that may, obviously with Brady Cook's ceiling being a little bit lower, I still think he could improve, yes. But 
ultimately, I think best case scenario again for Sam Horn is that he comes in and wins the job and just is here for three years or two years. Um, and I, yeah, it's like, I don't, I guess that's a good problem to have that we just have four guys that are talented and, and fighting for the job all at one time. But ultimately I think you want to find the one guy though, that's just going to be your guy and then continually get better the longer he's in the program and get out of that just new faces every year. Yes. phase. Yeah. I feel like we're kind of stuck there, mm-hmm. but, but again, I can't help but feel like we were probably just spoiled previously maybe of having this like very clear succession of good to great quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And once that stopped happening, it's like, yeah, Oh yeah, this is what a lot of teams deal with That's actually. True. And just the stakes are so high in college football that where it's like, we don't have the patience yeah. for to have a, a, a guy for multiple years. If he's not exactly what we want, we always want something better, understandably if it's out there. And so, you know, this, this, the stakes are so high for coaches and for players both that you kind of have to deliver in their first year, even if there's room to improve down the road. And I also am struggling to figure out if or how the extension, Drinkwitz extension, will factor into this because part of me thinks, well, that gives him a little bit more security to perhaps go with a younger player that he feels more comfortable with that he didn't, that he wasn't you know, stuck with, or, you know, a guy that he recruited to come in here and be his quarterback. It seems like with the added security of the contract extension, he would be more likely to put the ball in the hands of a younger guy that he knows he can develop. Mm. But I don't know. Yeah. It's tough to know exactly what that extension means. And because he, he got extended, but I'm not sure that means he's not coaching for his job either. So I can, I can, I totally see that, but I also feel like he feels some urgency, especially with all the defense coming back. I don't know. That could give that could give a little edge to Brady Cook because he knows what he's got with him. It's almost like it's just an incredibly complex, <laughs> nuanced situation, and that you could form a narrative for yes. favoring any of these three guys. Yes, you could really make the argument for any <laughs> of them. Yep, it's just going to be whatever uh, Coach Drinkwitz, whatever he wants to go with, is is it's going to be the one. We're going to just have to find a way. I'm telling myself this mostly. We're going to have to just find a way to enjoy this process. Yeah, and enjoy. You know, finding out new information about these quarterbacks as the process unfolds. Yeah. I mean, you thought last summer or last offseason in general had a lot of like speculation. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't even seem that long ago that we were like, oh, uh, Coach Drinkwitz wrote the word cook in a tweet. Oh, he took a picture of himself barbecuing meat. Brady Cook's the guy. And we were right. So, you know, that that's going to be even higher up. I think that's going to be even more ramped up this, this summer. Yeah. Get ready for those clues. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Embrace it. Embrace it. Embrace it. Okay. Uh, anything else football related before we switch to basketball? I think that's it. All right. Uh, like I said up top, Mizzou basketball won two out of three. Uh, started it off with a home win over Arkansas. Um you love to see Mizzou basketball get a win, but holy cow, was this game rough to watch. It was. Um, Arkansas led early. Mizzou kept it close into the second half. Arkansas started to pull away. They they kind of, they basically did the exact same thing that they did in the first matchup where they just like steadily just started making shots, getting stops, not a huge run, but just like steadily increasing their lead. To the point, it was a 10-point Arkansas lead with five minutes left. It was, what, uh, 67-57. Mm-hmm. Mizzou went on a 10-0 run to tie it at 67. And that was 
honestly, the most enjoyable and maybe the only enjoyable part of this game was that little run. Yeah. And even though Mizzou won, man, there was just like free throw city, yeah. foul every possession. A 10-0 run in that game, I mean, that's like 20% of your entire points yeah. that were scored there in an unanswered fashion. But yeah, this game, man, like I just kind of think that's also Arkansas basketball just because they're long and they're they're suffocating on defense. I think that's partly SEC basketball because it seems like every SEC game we play in, the refs want to be the main uh the main character i gotta imagine i'm gonna get stuck on the refs here for a minute but i have convinced myself that like the big 12 must just be paying their refs like twice as much because no offense if you if you know a ref in the sec the good ones are not coming to this conference they're going elsewhere and they got to be being paid more in other conferences i'm glad you said that little disclaimer yeah was, i don't want to offend anybody it's really respectful you know i don't want to hurt anybody's feelings but i agree they're awful i it makes me want to do some research into like the referee salaries in the different conferences the sec you've got enough money to pay some refs get some good refs in here is it because they're bad is it because is it a ref problem is it like a style of basketball like it just it's our sec teams just playing a little more physically i don't i mean i guess maybe i should know i should be paying more attention i don't know but i haven't watched a ton of big 12 games this year but it, maybe it's i should a better and product just, and just most see. of the time now maybe uh the big 12 they, they only have 10 teams yeah, yeah that's the dumbest thing ever big 12 um but they're just a it's a really solid basketball conference and when you watch those matchups of like i watched a decent amount of iowa state kansas state and it was just good enjoyable entertaining basketball throughout yeah and it's not like it's it's good defense it's it's good half court offense yeah i always think that sometimes just watching march madness you know you've i've watched missouri all year long yes i've watched konzo martin basketball all year long and then it's like march madness like wow they they're not having a foul called on every possession yeah this the arkansas game was something else scoring over 60 points yeah that that was truly like even in a win it was just brutal to watch 56 fouls called four arkansas players fouled out (laughs) there was like i think six official reviews oh my for like potential flagrant fouls and like even out of bounds stuff and they apparently even got one wrong that the sec had to put out a statement on the next day i'm i'm over the reviews oh my gosh like if you miss it live just move on we can't this game the actual length of this game was two hours and 37 minutes. Is there a way to look at the longest basketball games played this year on Kim Palm or something like that? Does it have them ranked? Um, I don't know. Because that's got to be up there. I'll look into it. Legitimately, that's got to be up there. Yeah, that was it was ridiculous. Uh, Mizzou came out on top, though. Uh, Kobe Brown finished with 17 points. Golson with 16. He had some huge shots down the stretch. There was the fadeaway uh, and one. Yeah, I Which, think the, uh, some of the national media got a hold of that one. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. That was a bad call. It was horrible. And He yeah. wasn't within two feet of him. The yeah. defender was not in two feet uh, within two feet of Golston, and he yeah. got called for the foul. Yeah, I mean, he was, had his arm on him like well before, before that, yeah. the shot. I mean, if we're being honest with ourselves there, I think that, that, was, a, that was an iffy call. Questionable, Questionable. I would say. Yeah. Um, but big game for Golston. He's like the master of just like shots that you, that aren't 
good looks, but then they still go in. Yeah. And that fadeaway was one of those. And then he had a huge three late in the game. Do you think, uh, respectfully, do you think Golston has more than one assist on the season? We could probably find that out. He doesn't have many. Uh, that is that is an issue when he's on the floor is the ball sticks with him. My dude likes to shoot. Yeah. I mean, he, he's a north and south player, man. Like yeah. he, When he gets the ball, he's looking to score. That you know, On a team like last year, that would have been – very pleasing to have yes. somebody that just wants to take control and can do it. Yeah. But he is a little sloppy with the ball sometimes, kind of turns it over, takes pretty bad shots, and sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But he, I like him when he is getting into the, getting to the basket, though. Mm-hmm. I don't – I mean, who knows? I mean, he knocks down those long twos. So. Yeah, he has a great mid-range game for yeah. sure. But uh, it's kind of inefficient uh, offense from him. But you can deal with that to some extent when you're, like, coming off the bench and you just need to manufacture some offense. Mm-hmm. But I think this Missouri team is deep enough and has enough guys that can score baskets that you don't really need to have a guy come in and dominate the ball like that. But it worked out okay in this one. Uh, Mizzou, this, this Arkansas game started a trend of Mizzou not being able to shoot threes uh, in, the, in this one. Aiden Shaw was two for two. Mo Diara was one for one. So they were combined three for three from three. The rest of the team was two for 17, including 0 for five from Des Moines Hodge. It's one of the stranger stats of the entire season for sure. I don't know what was going on. I don't really don't know what was going on with the team really the past three or four games, not not counting Ole Miss because they shot well in that game, but it was just like just turned off. Yeah. Yep. And, of course, like with three seconds left in the game, Kobe Brown twists his ankle <laughs> and has to miss the Alabama game as a result. Which could have been way worse. Yeah. Yeah, it could have been worse, and the injury could have been worse, and it could have been worse that we were actually like playing a winnable game. Yeah. So if he's going to miss one, I guess it would, might as well be the Alabama game. For sure. But, yeah, the, the end of this game felt like, all free throws like yeah. no normal just like field goal makes it was just like after just, that just 10-0 run it was just free throws just back and back, back and forth go to the line it was rough but we made it through it with the win i'll take it i guess i'll do anything to beat arkansas that's true uh then mizzou lost to alabama 85 64 we don't need to talk about this one a ton no kobe brown so we'll just chalk it up to that <laughs> it had nothing to do with the fact that Alabama is seemingly unbeatable right now. Uh, Brandon Miller is incredible. The play where he just like had to do something towards the end of the shot clock and, you know, crossed over a little bit, pulled up from three, drained it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this guy should be in the NBA. Yep, he's an NBA player, no doubt. Um, and Mizzou uh, was right there in this one, except they weren't at all because they shot three of 28 from three they played fine in the first half not awful alabama pulled away kind of at the end of the first half but they were in it um probably through the first like 15 minutes of the game after that it was all alabama and yeah what just just terrible shooting yeah all night so no kobe brown in this one isaiah mosley played in the arkansas game i mean he everybody knows by now he is now a full go whatever was holding him back previously is no longer um, started the new semester, so he is full speed ahead. Played in the Arkansas game, played a lot more in the Alabama game, and again, okay timing. You're going up against a buzzsaw in Alabama. That's an okay time for Mosley to figure some stuff out, 
You don't have Kobe Brown. He can knock the rust off a little bit. That looks like exactly what happened. He, he shot terribly from three and still scored 19 points, I think, against yes. Alabama. Yeah, he played uh, 33 minutes, which is the most he's played all season. Uh, was 8 of 10 from two, but, yeah, unfortunately, 1 of 8 from three. Mm-hmm. Uh, 19 points. Yeah. It I'd was, like to see him get into the free throw line more. He was he got to the line four times against Arkansas, yeah. but not at all in the last two games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was so fun to see him get out there and play a lot of minutes and kind of start to look like the player that we've seen him be before. And I know I've said this many times before, but there are very few players in college basketball that can create like Isaiah Mosley and score at the volume and the efficiency that he does and just find – any and all ways to get to the basket and there's very few people like him in college basketball and it got even better for him uh we don't need to talk about this alabama game anymore alabama is really good and um it just they will win the sec and potentially be a one seed in the ncaa tournament yeah uh, right now the sec might have two of the four one seeds in the ncaa tournament uh but mizzou went to ole miss and got a really big road win uh, they beat Ole Miss 89-77. Um, Hodge woke up. He had a huge game. Mosley was back. No rust. Uh, Kobe was back from injury. He looked good. I mean, this is the Mizzou offense that we've been watching from earlier in the season. This is the Mizzou team that beat Illinois, beat Kentucky. They were just firing on all cylinders. Mm-hmm. Defense is what we know Pretty it bad. to be. Uh, but the offense was right there. Hodge, 24 points, 6 of 11 from 3. And he, he wasn't only shooting threes. Like, mm-hmm. the commentary crew was mentioning he, uh, you know, they were making a point of emphasis, Mizzou's offense, to get some cuts to the basket. He finished a couple of those uh, right at the rim. Looked really good. Uh, Kobe added 18 points, 4 of 6 from 3 from him. He's now leading the team in three-point shooting. Not uh, quantity, but... Um, percentage wise yeah wow and mosley 20 points four of seven from three and five assists and i do i have to mention mo diara 11 points six rebounds including three offensive rebounds i think those three were mizzou's only offensive rebounds in this game yeah the offense fantastic the defense pretty bad rebounding horrific but that's kind of just the formula that missouri's going to play at this year and it was good enough to win this game and any road game in the sec or conference season in general is is a huge win um is a, is a big deal so definitely we'll take that yeah demoy hodge i'm pretty sure he made like four three-pointers in the first like five minutes of the game yeah he started the game four for four just insanely hot to to start off which was great to see it seems like he's super on or just not making anything but uh, was happy to see it going in for him last night and when you're on the road against a struggling team like ole miss and you like it was not a full arena and i feel like that helps the road team tremendously if they just go into a place and it's kind of dead and you can just do what you want to do and the crowd is a complete non-factor i kind of was just joking around on discord like oh uh, after the first two threes went down i was like oh hodge just needed a quiet arena Uh, (laughs) and it seemed to work out that way Mm -hmm. and um you mentioned you were talking about Mosley earlier, but he really showed it all in the Ole Miss game. Just the way he gets into the paint and he he just has a knack for getting the defender to jump early and then he just hangs in the air and finishes. Yeah. 
So he will break you down. He will use his length to get around you and kind of scoop and score. Yes. He'll do this hard and step back three and drain it in your eye. Yes. <laughs> he, he, he can do it all. But honestly, yeah, it's, it's crazy to see how the personnel has changed throughout the season, like who's made a difference at certain points in the year. It felt like Noah Carter was kind of almost like the MVP at times early in the season. He's kind of like faded away just because he's a little, he he tends to be a little one dimensional Mm -hmm. at times and kind of a liability on defense and rebounding. And, uh, honestly, even Ronnie DeGray was like a huge factor in a couple of games in like the mid season where he was kind of adding some defense and rebounding down low. Now it's like the, the surge of Isaiah Mosley and, and, uh, Modiara where it's just like these guys, I mean, obviously Isaiah Mosley hasn't come out of nowhere, but guys that basically have not impacted the season at all up right. to up until three games ago are now like the stars of the team. It's just so bizarre. Yeah. And, uh, obviously this has been talked about a bit and, uh, coach Gates has commented on this, but going back to the Arkansas game, Aiden Shaw got zero minutes in the game before that. And then came out and played an incredible game made a couple threes was a huge reason uh, Missouri beat Arkansas and so yeah I just the depth on this team Mm -hmm. and the ability for any one of these guys to show up and make baskets is pretty incredible Sean East has had games earlier in the season where he kind of took over down the stretch yeah I think it says a lot about obviously coach Gates and his ability to kind of just scheme up a game plan a little bit like guys are going to play based on the scattering report and who mm-hmm. he thinks is best matchup wise, but maybe even more so than what it says about Gates is what it says about the players and how they're just willing to do whatever it takes to win. They're not like, it doesn't seem like anybody's being selfish on this team at all. Aiden yeah. Shaw, maybe he could have been upset that he didn't get in against, I guess it was Arkansas. He didn't play uh, the game before that one of the game. Yeah. One of the yeah. games he, he didn't play at all. And then like you said, yeah, just bounces back in the next game and, and hits two huge threes. Um, it just seems like everybody's kind of bought in with like whatever, coach wants to do and they're they're willing to to play and if not that's okay they understand that there are better options and uh diara could have so easily if he was listening to me he would have just like checked out of the season and been like oh i'm transferring somewhere else after this year literally last episode we were like is diara like a thing is this really happening i don't really think so yeah just completely wrong yeah and he just goes out and proves us wrong multiple games in a row yeah it's so nice to we can take a little credit for that maybe we put the chip on his shoulder maybe so um, it's so nice to see like a, who, what, I guess what we would have probably determined kind of a project prospect, kind of a, I don't know, a developmental type guy, like actually improve and yeah. like show up and, and show, um, continuous improvement has been really fun to watch. And especially when it's an area of considerable need. Yeah. He's just, basically forced to get in there and make a difference yeah. on the boards. Yeah. But he's, I mean, I think that's why he was in there at first was to just go get rebounds because nobody else is willing to, uh, apparently. But he's really shown some offensive flashes as well. I mean, he's, he's 6'10", 6'11". He had a drive, like baseline drive, where he dunked a couple couple mm-hmm. games ago. He's made some threes. He, he's got some offensive ability. Yeah. Yeah, he's been really impressive. I thought, uh, yeah, the Ole Miss game was just uh, very refreshing. It was like the Arkansas game. Yeah, they won. But <laughs> what was that even? Yeah. Who knows? Like not great basketball. Certainly lost some years off our life watching that. Yeah. But the Ole Miss game was, was just a breath of fresh air. For sure. Just go. Shots going in. Do your job. Yeah. Obviously, there. this was, uh, I believe, Missouri broke their or set their a new record for the Mizzou program in SEC play 
with 16 made threes. Did that make sense? Yes, it did. 16 of 30 from three. That'll win most games. Yeah, you're going to beat a lot of teams doing that. Ole Miss shot well from three. And it just ma- it did, did not matter. Yeah. I think they made nine or ten threes. They made them. ten, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Missouri's offense, when they're clicking, though, like um, 58% from two, 53% from three, That's you're not going to beat that. Turned uh, turned Mississippi turned Ole Miss over sixteen times. Eleven steals for Missouri. Love it. They got to do that. I think yeah. that's just kind of the key to them playing well and efficiently. Ole Miss sixteen offensive rebounds though. Yeah, <laughs> pretty bad. That's never going away. What are they in offensive uh, efficiency on Kempom? Mizzou. Are they top five? I'll tell you. Uh, they are sixth mm. as of earlier today. So after going two and one, Mizzou is at 15 and five overall, four and four in conference play, number 55 in Kempom, like I said, sixth in offensive efficiency, 196th in defensive efficiency. But according to all the experts, we're still on the good side of the bubble. ESPN uh, Bracketology has his 10 seed, Bart Torvik 11 seed. I even included your favorite guy, Jerry Palm, with CBS Sports, nine seed. We love Jerry around here. I don't have much affinity for Jerry. I'm just not familiar with his game. Okay. I'm more of a Joe Lenardi guy. Okay, yeah. That's a, you're more an ESPN guy, just kind of cookie cutter. That's fine. I guess, yeah. That's fine. I'm a sheep, I guess. ESPN sheep. Are you going to try and predict all the seeds this year, Cam? No, that's your game. I don't know if I have time for that this year. Really? We'll see. Really? Really? <laughs> Just what did I do? Didn't I didn't I beat Jerry Palm and, and, and Joe Lenardi yes. last year? Like, and Bart Torvik. You beat the computers. Like predicting what teams were going to be what seeds and mm-hmm. stuff. That took a while. Yeah. That was a little project. Don't even act like you're going to not do I that this year. I can't walk away now. Yeah. After, I can't just finish on a high note. No. I was like so certain that there was no chance. I was I was so positive that that, that was not going to go well for you. And then just I was so completely <laughs> dead wrong. I was like, I think I could do that. Like, I think I think I can seed these teams better than Joe Lenardi. And I was like, I guess I'll just try. Yeah. And then, yeah, I don't know if I can do it I again. I think you got lucky. Uh, you, I, you would say that. Just make <laughs> me do it again. You just want to see me fail. Hey, it's it's for it's for content. Don't okay, don't worry. Okay. It's not personal. Okay. Um. Okay. Let's see. So there are ten SEC games left in the regular season. We play Iowa State, but then we got ten SEC games left. Let's look at the standings here. Jumbled mess in it, the middle, just it like it is, always is. It is messy there. It's like I don't even know who to root for in some of these games because it's like I just don't know how it's going to stack up at the end of the season. I guess – I was thinking about that. I guess we just want Alabama and Tennessee to beat everybody 100%. else. 100%. Yeah, just steamroll everybody. And But it's like – it's kind of like the Kentuckys, the Florida – Vanderbilt, those are kind of the teams that are around us. It's like, you know, we've beat Kentucky. Do we want to root for them? Right. I don't know. So Alabama's ahead of the pack at seven and zero. Auburn, Tennessee, and Texas A and M are all have one loss. Do you think there's a chance A and M could still kind of come down to like middle of the road territory? Or is this a little bit of a fraudulent start to the SEC play? I feel like there's always a team that does this though. Where they're it, just like it was a and M yeah, last year. They they have a tendency to kind of do that. They're just okay. They're kind of figuring stuff out in non conference play, not ranked in the top twenty five or anything, and then just are one of the top 
four or five teams in the conference. Did they even make the tournament last year, though? I think they just fell off the map <laughs> right. by the end yeah. of the season. Yeah, you may be right. I think they're going to do it again. All right. Well, that sounds good to me. Um, yeah, so A&M's up there with those other guys. Uh, Kentucky and Florida have three losses. Then Mizzou is right behind them at four and four. Georgia, surprise team at three and three. Vanderbilt, three and four. Arkansas, three and five. Then there's a group of teams at the bottom with just one conference win. South Carolina, Mississippi State, LSU, and Ole Miss. I'm a little surprised about Mississippi State and LSU both. They had good non-conference seasons. I'm pretty sure LSU, I mean, they had a soft we're going to talk about LSU. non-conference but i'm pretty sure they came into sec play with only one or two losses on the season you're exactly right i'll tell you more about that in a little bit i can't wait um yeah so we we cross Ole miss off the list we got the win there we've got matchups against south carolina mississippi state and lsu still on the schedule so two against lsu i think home and away the mizzou fan in me is like okay well a perfect opportunity to mess all of this up by losing to these teams at the bottom of the oh, standings sure. i thought you were gonna say some like sunshine pumper thing and i was gonna <laughs> be like oh that's definitely not how i see it but then you no okay yeah we're, we're on the same page there yeah well they'll mess it up somehow those are great opportunities to lose too many road games yeah that's true now i do i've all season long going back to the preview i've liked mizzou's last five games i i feel good about four out of five if not a five game winning streak to, to end the regular season yeah, we'll see how we feel after the first five games of the stretch. But that's that's still how I'm feeling right now. So if Mizzou right now is seventh in the conference, Florida, Kentucky, and A&M are the teams between us in top four in the league. A.K.A. double by yeah. territory. Are we making up that ground? Are we getting into the top four? No, I think so. So... The goal needs to be, and what we need to be satisfied with as fans, I'm proposing this to you, is being in the next four. Yeah. Anywhere in there, we're doing okay. Yeah, for sure. 100% avoid the playing territory. That's That would be objectively a failure Yeah. to be in the bottom four. But yeah, I think you around the six, seven, maybe eight range. You're, you're going to be a little nervous on mm-hmm. Selection Sunday, but you're going to have a chance to win a game or two in the SEC tournament. And that's fairly easy for me to say because that is our trajectory right now is yeah. on the good side of the bubble. The most yeah. like, if safe thing, yeah. prediction. If things go absolutely the way they've gone all season, we'll be on the good side probably solidly, but we're going to drop one of these games that we shouldn't most likely. Mm-hmm. All right, so... Um, I did want to mention a couple things. Uh, I just wanted to shout out uh, Kobe Brown averaging just under 16 points, six rebounds, two and a half assists per game. Um, You want to shout him out? Yeah, I just, I feel like his time at Mizzou is going to be over soon. And it's, before the season is over, I just want to reflect a little bit about his journey so far. Like, We've talked multiple times about, like, can he be the lead, the top guy on a team that makes the NCAA tournament? And it gives me a lot of faith and hope in the Dennis Gates hire that he was able to be like, yeah, we've got Kobe Brown. And he was able to make a team that, like, 
accents Kobe Brown's skills and maximizes what he's able to do on the basketball court, I don't know that that was ever happening before Gates comes comes to town. It seemed like we were borderline going to, you know, um, Co- the Kobe Brown era at Mizzou was going to come and go without much success uh, in the wins and losses. Mm. So, yeah, it's, I mean, he's playing a little bit of bully ball for sure. Like he's just, he's utilizing his <clears throat> big body and using and exploiting mismatches and it just really helps that he can step out and, and hit the three sometimes too because that just adds an entire dimension to his game but yeah i i do think he's playing pretty close to his ceiling this season he's, mm-hmm. he's been playing really well uh but i also want to throw out yes let's hear it he's eligible for one more season that and is true i know you know that yeah okay you'll understand if i am mentally preparing for him to not be here next year i understand and that's how you that's how you process yeah it's fine and then if he comes back oh that'd be fantastic yeah um yeah i mentioned earlier he's now leading the team in three point shooting percentage he's at uh 44 percent from three wow i would not have guessed that hodge after his he was slumping pretty hard before the old miss game so his percentage has dropped down to 39 still pretty good and uh nick honor is right there at 39 percent as well yeah kobe doing it all yeah yeah i mean while we're taking the time to reflect i mean i was going to say also like just enjoy this part of the basketball season too because every game is so big and i don't know this is just such a fun time of year and i'm gonna be riding the emotions up and down for the next you know month or two or whatever it is but i mean we are we're strapped in for for a fun journey here for the next you know six weeks so yeah like every game's important you can uh go up and down like three spots in the conference standings with one win or loss yeah but man college uh basketball season is fun whenever your team is relevant yeah um before mizzou gets back into sec play they do welcome the old big 12 foe iowa state coming to columbia iowa state in their second season under tj otzelberger one of the most incredible turnarounds in recent memory honestly going from three wins before he got there to now this will be back-to-back 20 plus win seasons ncaa tournament like they're if they continue the pace they're on right now they could be a top four seed in the ncaa tournament easily yeah they're truly remarkable yeah like what he's done in there in the past two seasons uh, so far this year they are 15 and 4 6 and 2 in the big 12 12th Overall in Kempom, 57th on offense, 8th in the nation in defensive efficiency. They're going to cause some trouble for Missouri's offense. Nice. Be ready for that. They are led by two transfers from St. Bonaventure, Jaron Holmes and Osun, Osuni. Nice. Um, I got an interesting fact here for you. I got a little trivia question here. Okay. Iowa State has eight seniors. Their, their entire team is made up of eight seniors and three freshmen. Guess how many of those seniors started their careers at Iowa State? Out of those eight seniors. Well, I don't know to answer your question. I'm going to guess. Yeah, but, take a guess. I mean, considering we are where we are in college basketball, Otto Berger's only in his second year there. I mean, I'm going to guess it's one or zero. It is zero. 
eight seniors on this Iowa State team, zero of them started their careers at Iowa State. That's crazy. Yeah. And it is just like the perfect storm. Like that that is the that is what we deal with right now. And you know, you win three games in a season, bring in a new coach, it's kind of like it's you're just gonna clean house. And was he at UNLV before Iowa State? Yes. Did, I wonder if he brought anybody over from at UNLV. Mm, you know, I'm not actually sure off the top of my head. Uh, the top two guys are the St. Bonaventure transfers. Um, they have a freshman who is from Ames, Iowa. Um, Lipsy is his last name, and he's pretty solid. Uh, I'm not sure if anybody came over from UNLV. Uh, they're fresh off a win. Yeah, big against win. Kansas State. Big win, which Kansas is State. also like maybe one of the maybe yeah. the best story in college basketball this yeah. year. Jerome Tang, just first year. And he even had like a rocky off season where people were questioning his recruiting and stuff like that. Oh yeah, and he, he has proved every doubter wrong. My goodness, yeah. Big we 12, talked about big, him for the Mizzou job. Yes, we did. Big Twelve basketball, I hate to say it, is incredible, top to bottom. Yeah. Easily the best conference in in basketball, this at least at this point in time. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Iowa State. Number 12 team in Kempom. They're really good. Eighth on defense. But do they rebound? Do they rebound? Yeah. 35th in the nation in offensive rebounding percentage. It's over. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Number one team in turnover percentage defense. Number one team in non-steal turnovers. So basically, they're just incredible at defense, and they wear you down. They make you pass the ball around the perimeter for the entire shot clock and um 13 percent of the time you just turn it over without them even stealing the ball <laughs> because they just grind you down with this they're 307th in tempo they grind you down mizzou's half court offense is going to look so bad against this iowa state team i mean it's looked bad at times this year yeah very exploitable. Yes. I, in Iowa State, what they their whole defensive game plan is geared around slowing you down into the half court and just making you throw the ball around the perimeter. Okay. Well, what if Dennis Gates say we're gonna says we're gonna speed you up? Well, yeah. That's the only. Is that the key to victory? That's our only shot. I mean, get them spun up a little bit. They just don't really do it. Um, they played, okay, so an interesting matchup from earlier this season is Iowa State played St. John's. So you know who the coach of St. John's I is. Sure do. They are number three in the nation in tempo, third fastest tempo. Um, in that matchup, there were 73 possessions. That is the most of any Iowa State game this season. And How did that turn out for St. John's? St. John's only scored 60 points. <laughs> so, yeah. We're looking at that. Yeah. This weekend, potentially. Yeah. Mizzou Arena is going to be rocking. This is a home game. It is a home game. Unfortunately, it's going to be too loud for Des Moines Hodge. Um, <laughs> uh, can I just say something? Yeah. Also, I just thought of this. Yes, uh, go ahead. I love Trey Gomillion. I really, I really do. But I really didn't miss him against the in in the Ole Miss game okay so I hadn't even thought about that that he wasn't there and yeah I didn't even notice so let's maybe keep Isaiah Mosley in the starting lineup that's 
something yeah to build on i have always kind of felt like gomillion coming off the bench makes the most sense and if there's like an offensive matchup where you just need him to kind of bully a guard annoy somebody yes just make it difficult for them then i like sending him out there to do that but uh yeah just not helping the offense i would agree now but i thought the same thing about mo dr a a week ago i thought why do we have him in there because bad things happen on the offensive end when he's in the game that's true and he has proved me wrong so that's true but he's a virtually unproven player with very little college experience and that's we don't, true we're not sure what he's capable of yet yeah we know what we know we're, we're getting out of go million at this point um i'm trying to see if there's any way we win this game and it's gonna it's if mizzou comes out and shoots 16 of 30 yeah from three then sure yeah i mean i don't i don't know that this is some impossible game to win i mean we're, we're talking up iowa state like they're you know insanely good and which they are but or invincible but, right and and they have some strengths that will exploit uh missouri for sure and probability wise missouri probably wins this thing 20 percent of the time but there's absolutely a path to victory here and unfortunately you know it comes down to making shots because that's the missouri's entire game is predicated about on you know sp- getting the team spun up turning them over getting transition buckets. transition buckets yeah. and that clearly is good for their shot making ability i don't know what it is but they make shots when they're running in transition and they're getting the other team kind of panicked it's going to be tougher to do that against a good iowa state team but it's not impossible and there, there's certainly a path to victory here yeah and iowa state offensively they're going to try to manufacture offense in the half court just they're they're good about not turning the ball over um so i don't know it's it would be the easiest way to win this game is iowa state have an off night shooting from three they're not an incredible three-point shooting team so that's possible Mm -hmm. um missouri not a good three-point defending team so there's that but i think you're exactly right it's going to come down to to what extent can Mizzou play their type of game and can they get three-point shots to fall? Mm-hmm. I um, say yes. Okay. You, you're going to make it official with, an, with a prediction? I'll make a prediction. Give me – I do think Iowa State's going to win, but I think that Missouri – they're not going to get just blown out of this thing. I okay. think Iowa State wins 71-66. I already wrote down 66 for my Mizzou score. Well, um, you can't say that. Then. Well, Kyle, are you aware of the fact that Mizzou is undefeated when they score at least 70 points? Really? Yes. They so, said that on the broadcast last game. Well, then they got to get there. Can I don't think they can get to 70 against Iowa State. Unlikely. No. Need Hodge to have a good game. Maybe need Noah Carter to make a couple threes. Hey, Mizzou is sixth overall in Kim Palm offensive efficiency. That's They're good. They're good, Cameron. They are, I guess. That's such a weird it, thing. It really is. Like it's like sixth good, in the country. I guess. And then they can just sure go I, absolutely cold. Yeah, it's like I'm not sure I buy it. Yeah. I think I. Th- uh, I don't know. What? I think it, I think their offense is a little hollow. I'll say it. At times. Yeah. What's crazy is. Um, they would be number one easy if they were just average on offensive rebounding. Yep. Easily the most efficient offense if they could just grab it. No, no. Uh, yeah, if they could 
rebound a little bit. A little bit. Just a single little bit. Um, okay, yeah, I say I basically picked the same score, 70 to 66. So that's exactly what's going to happen, obviously. Um, after that, we get back into SEC play with another home game, this time against LSU. LSU, you alluded to it earlier, really weird season so far. They are 12-8, and 1-7 and seven in SEC play. Basically opposite of Texas A&M season. Yeah. <laughs> after starting the year 12-1, and one, they beat Arkansas to open SEC play 1-0, and and then they have now lost seven games in a row. And something that sounds good to me is in those seven losses, they are averaging 56 points per game. Yikes. Now, it's been a a rough schedule for them. They've played, those seven games have been Kentucky, A&M, Florida, Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, and Arkansas. That is pretty brutal. So now with this... And now they get Missouri, who is the sixth overall offensive efficiency on Kimpom. Exactly. So a gauntlet. Yeah. After the Mizzou game, they will have played like only the top half of the SEC so far. Uh, they're still on Kimpom right now, only projected to win four conference games. They have one so far. Mm. New coach. New coach. Uh, we've been talking about new coaches, just like transforming programs and uh, putting them over the top. Not happening so far for uh, what's his name, Matt McMahon. Uh, he came over from Murray State, mm-hmm. and he brought with him what's his name, Williams. KJ. Yes. Uh, who is pretty close to averaging a double double? I think he's averaging like. 17 and 7. Yeah, basically doing exactly what he did at the mid-major level, which he was one of the best mid-major players in America. Yeah, one of the top transfer targets this past offseason. Yep. Yeah, KJ Williams. It's it's very rare for and this is one thing that got us excited about Isaiah Mosley, but we were tempering our expectations because when you jump up from mid-major level to Power 5 conference, there's usually a drop off. Not for KJ Williams. He's been pretty he's, incredible. He's kind of just the guy there also. That's true. They do have um, Adam Miller. Yeah. Um, who He started off the season really well. Yes. I don't know. He's slumping hard. Okay. Not shooting the ball well. He has not been great offensively in their last seven games. Um, well, nobody has. They, they're averaging under 60 points per game. They suck. Well, they've had a tough schedule. This will be easily their most winnable game since December. Yeah. Um, I think Mizzou. Now is this is this one's on the road. This is a home game for Missouri. Home game for Missouri, and then yeah. we play at LSU later in the season, I believe. Something like that. Something like that. Yes, that's correct. Um, LSU 125 in Kempom, 174 on offense, 89 on de- or sorry, 98 on defense. Uh, in conference play, you could probably predict this: 14th out of 14 in offensive efficiency. This has to be a game where Mizzou's defense looks somewhat okay yeah i feel like they had a stretch they looked terrible against Ole miss it didn't matter yeah but they had a stretch there where they were i thought the defense when the offense was slumping the defense stepped up is what it felt like yeah i know they're capable of it the rotations looked at least competent for the first time ever maybe in the season uh just two or three games ago Mm mm-hmm but yeah, they, they gotta make they they gotta play well against LSU because yeah, their offense has been pretty horrible. Yeah, just to further I mean, KJ Williams, six ten, two fifty, 
He's shooting 43% from three. He shoots 78% from the free throw line. Doesn't turn the ball over. Blocks shots. Gets steals. And uh, he's one of the better offensive rebounders in the SEC. Yeah, he's going to have a game. Do you remember a guy named Will Wade? Will Wade. No. Now that's a name. (laughs) Will Wade. What's he up to these days? I don't know. I don't think he exists anymore. Yeah, he just... (laughs) He did the classic, just like leave the program in shambles. Well, he got fired. <laughs> uh, did he even get fired I officially? Regardless, that, he should have been fired three years before he. Yeah, actually, like, what? Three, left. yeah, three or four separate times he should have been fired. Like so, and uh, like breaking news: Will Wade like just cheated in recruiting. You're like, oh well, yeah, they got fine. Yeah, one more year. Yeah, they, I think they've got some sanctions. Uh, they probably uh, self-imposed some sanctions already. but I actually think Matt McMahon was potentially involved with Missouri um, last year. Mm-hmm. They were looking for a new coach. Mm-hmm. But he said, I'll take on the sanctions. I don't care. Oof. I'll go coach at LSU. They've got good food down there. Yeah, not looking good for him or Adam Miller, who was tied to Mizzou. He was, like, coming to Mizzou. Like, it was a done deal, oh, according yeah. to some people, last offseason. Um, Missouri's going to win this game, I think. Home game against LSU. Yeah. It's one of these you got to win. I think Missouri, they're going to look okay in this one. They're going to look pretty good. Mm. I think they win this one by double digits. Wow. Give me Mizzou 81 to 70. Okay. Give me 77-65, Missouri. Do you ever revisit these scores, or do we just write them down? Oh, if we ever get one, like, really, really close, then I'll bring it up. So Have, every we, ever, once have we ever been close? Or? Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you remember the Arkansas football game? No. I got that score exactly correct. Really? Yeah. Good job. Yeah, didn't you? It was, like, 27 to – no, it was, like, 29 to 26 or some weird yeah. score that, like, never should have happened. Yep. And you said it, and it was right. That's exactly right. And I'll, I'll remember it forever. It's my greatest achievement in, in my entire life. I don't doubt that. Um, don't tell my daughter. Is it having a kid an achievement? Mm, I guess. People say that, right? It's just a joke. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think we it's don't need to overthink it, it. I think it's an achievement for sure. Maybe we should judge the achievement after like five yeah. years or so, see how they're doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. We'll revisit this conversation. Hey, pregnancy is a long journey. Well, I, that's, yeah. that's an achievement just to yeah. get to birth. That's true. That's true. Okay. We'll check back on this uh, in five years. See how we're doing. <laughs> okay. Uh, Mizzou going to go one-on-one this week. No big deal. Iowa State's really good. Got to beat LSU. That's a just incredibly winnable home game. Keep us on the right track. That'll put us above 500 in conference play. Need that one. Um, anything else before we get going? What's next week? Do we got a do we got a Tuesday or Wednesday game? Next week, Wednesday. the LSU game is on Wednesday. Okay. So we'll figure that out. Hmm. Yeah, we did that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, yeah. Okay. That all? That's it. 
Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Treese, Brian Smith, Ryan Demore, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Tim Keens, Tyler Harzel, Brandon Groffalo, Brandon Hanks. If you're listening, don't put your mugs in the dishwasher. <laughs> Hand wash only. So that's serious. Hand wash yeah. only. We have proof. Yeah. That's a bad idea. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, do I normally say that? You did. Thank <laughs> you, gentlemen. You can find this podcast on Spotify. Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. We're on Twitter at Mizzou Sports Pod, and you can email, email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. You can find our t shirts and stickers on our online shop, Missouri Sports Pod.bigcartel.com. We have one extra mug if you if you put yours in the dishwasher. Don't put it in the dishwasher. And never use discountmugs.com. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next week. Anti ad. Don't use them. <laughs>